eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get it, it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it is Thursday as we head closer, inch, oh so closer, to another football weekend. Will it be the football weekend that sees the Raiders finally get in the win column. We hope so for all of you. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten back with you here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you listening to us. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, yo, yo, hello, good to see you. And uh, we're glad to be back talking Raider football. Mo, here we go. We get to look forward a little more today. We're really excited. Number one, we're going to get some of the drama out of the way in the first segment. Second segment, we have a special guest, Raiders cornerback Amik Robertson will join us. I'm looking forward to that conversation. And then we'll look ahead to the game. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be talking about some of this other stuff we have to address just because it's out there, but it's going to be fun talking to Amik. Yeah, because he could have a pretty big role on Sunday. Uh, Rocky Asin dealing with a knee strain, I believe. And as a lot of people know, Nate Hobbs dealing with concussion. So, We'll see if those guys play. If not, Amik will probably be on the field, as I said, in a huge role against Denver Broncos. Yes, uh, Denver Broncos coming in. The Raiders are banged up in a lot of different places, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But, Mo, let's start with da-da-da-da, Car Wars. Uh, Yes, Uh, the Derek Carr um, drama is back in full 2017 through 20 drama mode. Uh, we saw Dan Orlovsky, you and I both tweeted it out about uh, about <sighs> Derek Carr uh, and not finding uh, Devontae Adams. Now, one man's opinion looking at the film. Then you heard others, too. Keyshawn Johnson. You heard other guys talk about 
the fact that those two weren't connecting. They connected in the first week, and people said you're connecting too much, so then they go away from it. People are looking and studying Derek Carr's performance, uh, which there's nothing wrong with. When you're a professional athlete, that's what you do. Now, again, as we've said on this show, the three-game losing streak is not all Derek Carr's fault. There's no question. But his performance has not been what people expected. This whole kind of narrative, this conversation, I, what I don't understand, Mo, it, it's like politics, right? So one side and the other, you can't win. So if you have any discussions about it, it's not fruitful because people will not give an inch on any of it. With this one, you have a former quarterback who's paid to analyze football, and I think does a pretty good job, analyze a portion of the game and say, look, he's purposefully, it was the word he used, not looking at Devontae Adams. What do you make of all of this? And is this just the beginning unless the Raiders can start to get on a win streak? Before I start this diatribe, I'm going to take a deep breath. <laughs> okay. Now, there's a reason why I didn't participate in the discourse about Derek Carr and Dan Olavsky and what he saw on film yesterday. I believe I tweeted, um, I'm going out for a walk. I said this on, what was it, Tuesday. I said, mm -hmm. I'm going out for a walk in the park. I'm not getting involved in this. Have fun, Raider Nation Twitter. <laughs> and the reason I did that was because I, you were going to hear basically the same arguments we've been hearing for and against Derek Carr for the past few years. Oh, he's not going through his reads. Uh, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. He, he he has to be replaced. They need to trade him. They need to cut him. They need to bench him. They need to do this. They need to do that. And then the other side would attack the messenger, who in this case is Dan Orlovsky. So I saw a lot of people saying, well, Dan Orlovsky was a bum when he was a player. And to me, that's that's irrelevant because it right is. now his job is to analyze football. And what you're doing is you're attacking the messenger. And he's just telling you what he saw. He's telling you his thoughts. It has nothing to do with his career as a football player because there are plenty of average to below average football players who went on to be great coaches and it had no again no correlation there between your your ability as a football player active and your ability to analyze the game so i just want to say that first what i what i pushed back a little bit on what dan Olowski did was he tried to tell you what is in Derek carr's mind mm -hmm. and as a football writer myself as an analyst myself i try not to do that so i tried to criticize what a football player may be thinking in a specific moment, because remember the wording that Dan Orlovsky used. He said he's purposely ignoring Devonta Adams. If you're not in the huddle, if you're not in the locker room, if you're not Derek Carr, that's very hard to prove that he's purposely ignoring him. Now, we'll go to Wednesday. Josh McDaniels was asked about this. I believe it was Vinny Bonsignor who asked from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He asked him about the question about the Dan Orlovsky comment and analysis. And Josh McDaniels basically explained it as this. It's, players have, or should I say, quarterbacks have to go through reads. A lot of people know this. Sometimes he said De Devontae Adams is hardly ever the third, fourth, or fifth read. He's usually the first or second read. Right. So based on the coverage, you throw to a you may throw to a specific player, a specific read. It's the first or second read on this side of the field, but first or second read on the, on the other side of the field. Or you go through progression reads, where you just kind of scan the field, look for the open spot, dump the ball, not dump the ball, but throw the ball to the open guy. So it, it's hard to prove that Derek Carr is purposely ignoring Devontae Adams because you don't know what the call is and you don't know what the play call is. We don't some people don't know what the coverage is. Right. So you cannot you cannot criticize Derek Carr if you don't have that inner knowledge, is what I'm trying to say. But what I will say is this the connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams has to be better. I tweeted this on, on Tuesday. Devontae Adams, 34 targets, 17 catches. That's not the 50-50 ball player. We're not 
we don't want to hear. We we don't want to see that 50-50 ball type step of a receiver. It it has to be better, and it has to be better Sunday. It has to be real quick. And it's between the both of them. I wouldn't put it on just Derek Carr because Josh, really quick, Josh McDaniels did say that Devontae Adams is used to seeing certain coverages against him when he played in Green Bay because obviously he was the number one option there. But he's not used to seeing it along with Derek Carr because they haven't played together since the college right. days. So they're not seeing the same things they saw in Fresno State. So they have to get used to those coverages together. I, I think that last point is a really valid one too, Mo, because everybody, well, these guys were best, they're best friends and they played in college. Yeah, that was a while ago. And they've both matured mm-hmm. and become different athletes uh, and grown as athletes. So, so you can't count on what happened 10 years ago to to be the same that you just pick it up like nothing ever happened so so a great point there and and i agree with you on orlovsky i thought he brought up good points and to your to your point if he had just stopped it hey look i don't know what's going on in Derek carr's head but for some reason he's not seeing Devontae adams and he's not trying to see him in certain aspects so he needs to do that totally fine and that's how i Mm -hmm. sort of took it even though he went that direction i don't know Mm -hmm. why he went that direction of thinking he knows what's going on in the guy's head but but that's the one fair criticism criticism I found. But I didn't look at it as some big, heavy criticism of Derek Carr. I really didn't look at it. I know fans, especially those who love Derek Carr no matter what happens, uh, could see it that way. So, so I understood, and that's why you said you were going for a walk, because you knew where it was going to go. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I see other you know, people need to look around and understand what's happening. To say that Devontae Adams isn't getting the ball because he's double teamed. Not true. He was triple teamed in Green Bay and and Aaron Rodgers got him 50-50 balls that he could catch. So 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 don't feel like you defend the player you like by offering excuses. The bottom line, I think, of all of this, and we said this on the show, on the mailbag show yesterday and on Tuesday's show, and of course on Sunday's postgame show, we talked about it too. Derek Carr just is not comfortable. He's not playing his best. There's no question he's not playing his best. And so so that doesn't mean he's playing terrible. He's just not playing his best. He's not finding all of those great weapons he has. And I think if you look at it from that perspective and don't take a criticism of Derek Carr as somebody calling your mother a nasty name, then you're open up to it and say, yeah, you know what? I love Derek Carr. I think he's the best quarterback we can get. But yeah, he needs to do better. I mean, everybody on this Raiders team will tell you they will do better. When we talk to Meek Robertson, He'll tell us, I'm sure, his defense and, he, and himself have to do better. So there's nothing wrong with that exploration. Other people are also talking about Derek Carr and his slow start. So I think people just need to keep that in perspective and not take everything as a personal slight against their fandom and their team. You're in the arena. You get criticized. It's part of being a professional athlete. Here's my, and I thought about this before I got on with you, Scott. Here's my one issue with the way Derek Carr plays quarterback. And I understand he does this because this is how it goes. Like, this is the chain of command. But every time you hear Derek Carr, and he's had multiple OCs and head coaches, what do you hear him say all the time? He says, I try to do it just the way the coach wants me to do it. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that, that's good. Good soldier, you're trying to execute the play as as is designed, as is drawn up, as his game plan, which is just, which is what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. But what I what I hope that he's able, also able to do is while he's on the field, he sees something and he's able to improvise and make his own decisions independent of what the game plan is. Right. So what that is is not just blowing off your OC or blowing off your head coach or blowing off the play call, but being in the moment and realizing, 
okay, the ball is supposed to go here, but there's a better play over here. Let me make this throw. And I would hope that the coaching staff has the trust in a in the ninth year quarterback to make those split decisions in those moments because he's the one on the field. He's the one that has to deal with the pass. He has rush. to make those choices. He's the, he's the one that has to make the choices. He's the yeah. one that has to read the coverages. So he's the one that's got to make the decisions ultimately, knowing what the play call is. But I would hope that along with trying to execute the game plan, he has the freedom and he does make his own decisions independent of the play call when the play is there. Yeah. And listen, he's never going to be Rich Gannon yelling at the head coach. I get it, yeah. right? But you do need to see him assert himself. He did it last year several, many times. I mean, most of the year. Yeah. So we just need to see that back. And I hope I see that against Denver. And look, again, everybody on that roster deserves some criticism. They're 0-3, folks. Nobody is immune. Nobody is full of excuses that excuse why they haven't played well. You, I don't, From the quarterback to the coach – from the defensive end to the cornerback, it doesn't matter. Everyone as a team has to play better. Because you choose to take a look at the quarterback doesn't mean you're blaming 0-3 on Derek Carr. People mm -hmm. need to stop with the sensitivities and, and just realize that nobody is playing their best right now, okay? Maybe Sands, Josh Jacobs, when he gets a chance to run the ball. So, so I, I think that you just have to look at it that way, and if you do... It's not some personal umbrage against you. It's just the way it is. I've been more critical of Derek Carr the last three weeks, and I think I've been in a long, long time because he just hasn't played well. He doesn't look comfortable. That does not mean he can't pick up and get better and that they might get better against Denver. Uh, it just means that we're observing it. If you're a fan and all you see is positive unicorns and all that stuff, great. That's a great life to live. But when other people see it from a different perspective – uh, and I'm not talking about the people who constantly just say negative, 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 negative. I mean, people who are realistic. Uh, you can't get mad at that. And, and just like those people who are positive can't be uh, attacked because they're positive. I mean, it's just this whole argument is so old. I thought we were past it. And of course, it had to come back. I knew once the video hit that it was going to turn into a you, you know what show. <laughs> and at that point, there's usually there are very few rational debates going on on Twitter. If you want to have a rational discussion about Derek Carr's play, you're going to have to talk to a person in their DMs one on one, because once it hits the Twitter timeline, you're going to get a bunch of idiots chiming in who either hate or love Derek Carr yep. to 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 some irrational extent where you just cannot have a real conversation with them. And that's why I usually converse with people that I that I know are level-headed people and I can have a conversation with and then I say, "Oh, you're you just, oh, you right. criticize him, you're a Derek Carr hater or oh, you praise him here, then you're 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 a Kardashian." You know, it's it's ridiculous. And like I say, <laughs> I have a two I have a two Derek Carr or I call it Star Wars limit. I only engage in two Derek Carr discussions per week, unless, of course, it's on the show with you or someone in my real life asks me about Derek Carr, I'll answer them. But as far as Twitter is concerned, yeah. two Derek Carr discussions per week, and that's my limit. Would it change if Derek Carr ate cheesecake? I'll make it three if he does. <laughs> because <laughs> then right, I would well, have to publicly shame him if he did. Well, I think we've had our share of talking about Derek Carr and the Orlovsky and the criticisms. Uh, so we're going to take our first break, Mo, and then when we come back... We're going to be joined by our special guest, cornerback Amik Robertson, third-year cornerback out of Louisiana Tech. We're going to talk to him about his progress. We're going to talk to him about the defense, and we'll ask him, too, about how he's feeling at 0-3 to start off. Uh, but really, deep dive on, here's a guy who's played for three defensive coordinators in three years, 
right, and and had to really fight to keep his job this year and did it and keeps, in my view, getting better each week. So we'll talk to him about that when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, Mo Moten, Scott Branson, and coming up next, Raiders cornerback Amik Robertson. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back silver and black today an odyssey original podcast if you're listening to us on odyssey thank you if you're listening to us on 98.5 the fan in las vegas or 1140 the bet welcome as well we're real excited to be joined by our next guest here uh and that is raiders cornerback amik robertson third year out of louisiana tech joins us now on the newsmaker line and amik uh appreciate you being with us and uh talking some uh raider football and uh how things are going so far this year how you doing uh heading into the weekend getting ready for Denver? Oh, everything's going smooth, you know, enjoying practice, taking care of my body, making sure I'm healthy, you know what I mean, you know, taking the game plan, you know, listening to the coaches. So overall, everything's been going smooth so far. Well, Meek, let me start real quick with uh, get the get the the the, the more negative thing I've thrown. You guys are zero and three. It's tough when you're going through a yeah. stretch like that. But it seems to me like this team, this brotherhood, especially the guys that were there last year and everything you went through, it seems like you're just plugging away, getting ready for Denver, and not letting any of those negatives sink in. Is that a correct read? Yes, definitely. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's hard to win this league. You know, of course, everyone wants to. You know, we wants to. We want to win every game. Sometimes, you know, you fall short due to the little things, you know, mistakes that you make as a, a team. But at the end of the day, you got a 24-hour rule. You got to move on and focus on the next week because that's the most important thing. The, the you know, it's always important to worry about that, that next game because that's the most important game. All right. Cool. So, uh, Rocky Asin, they have both banged up. Uh, it's possibly they may not or may play. Does your preparation change at all, knowing there's a higher probability that you could be on the field in a big role at all? Uh, not really, honestly. You know, every week, you know, weekend and week, like every week, I always prepare like I'm going to play. 
So whenever my name's called, you know, I know my job and I know my responsibility. So at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You know, focusing on, on the little things, listening to my coaches and uh, practicing like like I'm in the game, you know, as as I'm in the game. So I, no, I don't think I, you know, I change my preparations. I always think my preparation is very key. So each each and every time I'm at practice, I pray, you know, if I'm with schools, the ones, whatever, I still practice like I'm like I'm like I'm about to play. So whenever my name is called, I'm always ready. Absolutely. So right on. So when I when I say you're coming out of Louisiana Tech, there are three things that came to mind as describing you as a cornerback. One, instinctful. Two, I know you work a lot on your footwork. I know that's big with you. Uh, another thing is not really a, a football term, but just I thought you were a junkyard dog, meaning you're willing to get in there, make some tackles near the line of scrimmage. Uh, a guy that has 20 over 20 tackles for losses at, on a collegiate level is not someone who's a soft football player. So you're willing to get in there and mix it up. How would you describe yourself as a cornerback on the pro level? I think, uh, you know, as an, I'm, you know, I'm still building. You know, I'm still building, trying to be one of the best. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still building myself up to be the best I can be. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I look at myself as a as a competitive, fearless guy. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I look at myself as doesn't doesn't matter. So I just play. I try to play as big as possible. So you know, I, I look at myself as probably a fearless corner, a fearless uh, DB. Yeah, and Amik, it's one of those things where I, you know I look at you and and I have so much respect for you because of how hard you work, uh, and that's always been something going back going back to the previous coaching regime. And you've had three defensive coordinators in three years. Talk a little bit yeah. about what it's like now with Patrick Graham and the differences. And I, I've seen you really flourish since the preseason as you, as you get more playing time, especially. Talk yeah, a little definitely. bit. Talk a little bit about how that culture, the coaching staff, and what you're doing now, and how it's contributed to your growth this season? Honestly, you know, even though I had a long row, I had three, three different defensive coordinators. I kind of looked into the positive side of it. I tried to, you know, not really look into the negative side. I tried to learn from each and every defensive coordinator. So I took pieces of each the, the each defensive coordinator or DB coach that I had, you know, when I, when you know, while, while being here, you know, but as far as Patrick Graham, you know, he's definitely a guy that, you know, that I could, I could relate to as 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 well. You know, you me and him have a lot of man to man conversations. Um, and most importantly, he believed in me. You know, so when you got a when you got a defensive coordinator that believes in you, you know, that that stands in your corner that you, you don't have to really think too much when you're out there. You could just be you. And that's what he tell me, just be you. Like, like you know who you are, be yourself. And I I know you're he know that our floor is just being myself. You know, he know I got an incredible work ethic, he know I'm I'm competitive, stretch scrappy. You know, so at the end of the day, he just tell me to be me, and that's that's what I try to do it each and every day, every time I step on the field. Now, Amik, I know in the collegiate level, you played a lot on the outside. You get on the pro level, and you have to kind of you have to be versatile. So you got to play on the outside, you got to play on the inside. Could you explain to our audience what's the difference between being a boundary cornerback and a slot cornerback? What are your responsibilities, and how does your role change? I think the most what's the difference. I think the only difference is with it is the the spacing. You know the spacing when you at when you at uh you know you got the sideline to help you when you're a boundary corner or when you're a field corner or whatever. When you're a mm-hmm. slot cornerback, it's a lot of sp- it's a lot of space. You know, like it's a lot of. I mean, when you're in the slot, it's a lot of space that the slot guy can work with. You know, when you're a boundary corner in the field corner, you got you know the sideline to kind of help you. You know, whatever. Right. And right. on top of that, when you're in the slot, you also what I didn't learn kind of in college was was run fits. That's what kind of you know I struggled year one and year two. You know, with run fits, you know, like knowing what gap to fit as a as a nickel. If you in this cover, if you in cover three coverage, you gotta fit, you know, you you're outside, 
contained guy. You know, if you cover two, you got you got this B gap. So it's like, and and you got to you know the line and pull. Now you got the opposite A gap, like stuff like that. I never learned, you know. So that was kind of something that I kind of had to adjust to. So I would think the difference. I think the difference between it is that you got a lot of if you if you to the boundary or to the field, you have help with the sideline. But when you're in the slot, you got you out you have to know run fits and also it's a lot of spaces. So you got to be very quick. Yeah, you, you have to be very quick on your feet. That, that that's a great response. So now you and Nate House both have had to move inside and outside. Do you guys learn yes. from each other? Yes. Do you guys help each other with that transition at all? It's it's crazy, but Leo or not, I learned from him, man. I learned from him, <laughs> you know, coming in because he he was able to adjust to it so fast. He was right. able to adjust to it so fast, and you know, at the end of the day, man, it's the best of the best. You know, this is yeah. the NFL. Some guys catch on fast. Some guys catch on later on. You know, I finally caught on now, so now I'm able to play fast the way I want to play. But mm-hmm. of course, far as Nate Howes, man, incredible football player, and we like we honestly we learn from each other. Like far as he learned a lot of stuff from me with his press technique. We we go after practice each and every day. Me, him, and a couple of other DBs. We go out there each and every day after practice, no matter if we tired or not. Working on our man coverage, our our feet, you know, and you know, work working with that. And he also helped me helped me with the uh with the run fits, being able to read read and react, you know, faster. Yeah, speaking of reading and reacting, let's let's touch on your your first career interception in the NFL, Kyler Murray. What a nice play. Talk us through that a little bit. How good did that make you feel? I mean, all this hard work you've put in, like you said, you've been learning yeah. and everything's kind of clicking for you now. Uh talk yes. about that play and how that validated all that hard work for you. I think it was a great great moment. You know, it was fully emo- like after making the play it was fully emotions. You got to stand. I, I haven't touched the football. I haven't caught it in. I went from having 14 you know, having my hands on the ball nearly each and every play when I was in college from in the league, you know, kind of starting off slow. So, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, what came with that play, I was very, very excited. You know, it was a very great moment, but it also came with a lot of, a lot of emotions, you know, a lot of emotions kind of, you know, uh, with myself, you know, you know, uh, everything that I've been through, you know, all, you know, but at the end of the day, I was just doing my job, listening mm-hmm. to my coaches, man. And, you know, they told me, you know, they told me it was going to come. I just had to make that play. And I knew I was the guy. You know, I knew I had to be that guy to make make that play. I knew I knew it was my time, and you know, I just made the play. You know, I I thank God and I thank my coaches for it. Yeah, and Amik, uh, you know, we we talked a lot about coming into this season, you know, with with you guys, with a new system, with new coaching staff and all that, that there would be some adjustment time. It would take a little bit of time for everything to click for everybody, mm-hmm. everybody to get on the same page. And we've seen that through three games, right? There's been times when you guys are playing knocked out against Tennessee. You did not let them score in the second half. You held them scoreless. Um, how has that been for you guys? Is that adjustment? Is Are things starting to click overall for the defense now? Are you starting yes. all to feel comfortable? I definitely, I definitely think we are feeling comfortable. We are, we are doing the right things, but I think we have to start doing the right things longer mm. or quicker. You know, mm. starting off faster mm-hmm. as a defense. You know, Patrick Graham, you know, does a great job of adjusting. You know, at, at halftime, but I feel like us as a defense should start off faster. You know, and we all, we all take, you know, take that criticism. You know, we all know. You know, we all kind of push out or want to push ourselves to play better and start off faster. So. I think as a defense, you know, we definitely getting comfortable, you know, but I think we just got to start off faster, start off faster, being able to do the right things longer and longer and longer. Now, I know Coach, Coach McDaniels and Coach Graham, uh, they don't want you to say too much about game planning, so we won't get too deep into yeah. it. But coming up mm-hmm. on Sunday against Denver at home there at Allegiant Stadium, you're going to be facing Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Famer, and, yeah. and a Denver yeah. offense that's looking to kind of put it together. Uh, how do you prepare for a guy like that and uh, and, and the Denver offense uh, getting ready for Sunday? 
Uh, you know, Russell's Russell's a very smart guy. You know, so at the end of the day, I ain't gonna say too much, but I mean, it's football. <laughs> we just gotta eliminate. You know, we just gotta, you know, kind of focus on the run, stop the run, and eliminate explosive plays and kind of slow Rus- Russell down. So that's all I. That's all I really, really can't say. I got you, man. Because I they, got you. they're a great offense. I appreciate that. So now you're year three, Amik, uh, and everything's starting to click for you. You're, you're playing really well. Uh, I know this team will, will get better, and you guys will start getting some Ws. But but how's how's the experience been overall too, outside of football, living in Las Vegas and all of that? You you uh, you enjoying yourself out west in that heat in the desert? It's crazy. I like I I love the Vegas weather. You know <laughs> when I knew when I knew I got drafted to Vegas, I knew like I was I was very excited because at the end of the day, I you know. I don't like going to places that's that's you know I don't I don't like the cold weather I don't like going to places that rain a lot I just like sunny because I feel like if it's sunny outside you can go out and you can do a lot of things you know what I'm saying yeah. you can do a lot of things so uh far as you know I, I think I don't take advantage of Vegas enough because you know I'm a you know I'm a south south side boy you know I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm from Louisiana I don't really I don't really do too much so uh mm-hmm. you know I don't really take advantage of like going to the strip a lot or whatever I kind of you know stay in my house me and my girls just stay in the house man and. You know, we do some stuff every now and then, but you know, for us like going going out a lot, like I don't really do that too much. You know, I kind of focus on my career and and just kind of lay low a little bit. But overall, yeah, I, I you know I love Vegas, love Vegas. Yeah. So really, so really quick, Amik, um, Amik Robinson coming into the league 2020 and Amik now. How have you changed as a, as a player, as a person? Like, what is the biggest change you've noticed in yourself? You can answer either way, player as a, or as a person. Oh, I, I would probably see my mindset. You know, my mindset coming out of college, you know, I was very, you know, I was a very confident, resilient person. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. got caught up into what people were saying and this and that. And I kind of had lost myself, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, a while back, you know, but, you know, but I kind of looked within myself, you know, and kind of built myself back up. So I would say for us now, you know, I'm a very, very resilient person, a person that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, work hard no matter what nobody says, you know, I'm going to prove the doubters wrong, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, and I just trying to, you know, try to improve each and every day. There you go, man. And you know what? That's good advice for all of us, by the way. If we can all improve right. no matter what yep. we do as people, as professionals, we'll all be a lot better off. Amik Robertson, man, best of luck for you on Sunday and for the mm-hmm. rest of the season. And we'll hope to catch up with you later. Appreciate it. Thank you. you so much. God bless. Yep. Same to you. Take care. All right. There all you right. go. Amik Robertson. Uh, cornerback from the Raiders. Always a good discussion. And the last time I talked to him mm-hmm. was the year he got drafted, Mo, on the show mm-hmm. here. Uh, and uh, again, I think it's just it's phenomenal that uh, he he's worked hard. And it was it was interesting because one one of the questions I was going to ask him a little bit, and we danced around it, was you know what's changed. And he said he said it right at the beginning of the interview. Right, he said things just started clicking for me. And it's mm-hmm. almost like in between preseason game three and four, that started to happen for him. It's amazing because mm-hmm. a lot of people want to give up on guys after a year or two. And here's a great example of a guy who's put, is putting together a nice little career, starting to get to the level where he's going to be a regular player. Yeah, and you heard what he said at the end is that at, he came out of college, he's a really confident person. And how could you not be? As a, he, he said it, 14 interceptions, he had 23 tackles for loss. Had three touchdowns. He had a he had a lot of ball production coming out. So I would be confident too if I had that type of resume. But I guess when you come into the league, you realize how hard the pro level is. Not that it came to a surprise to him, but you kind of have to start from the bottom again, and you got to prove yourself again. And you see, you can see the maturation process in him, and he's taking it all in. And as you say, he's showing improvement. And you know, you again, and, and I didn't ask him about this because you don't ever want necessarily 
someone to get hurt to get an opportunity, but he's had opportunities and he's going to have more of an opportunity on Sunday against Denver, as you mentioned in the question you had for him with uh, Nate Hobbs out. Uh, but you, when you do get the chance, no matter what the reasoning, you have to take advantage of it. And no player's perfect, but Amik Robertson continues, to, in my book, to become a really solid NFL player. And you can tell why. He's a grounded guy. He talks about not going out too much, staying home with his girl <laughs> and, uh, and all that stuff. Uh, that's good. And, and you know what? When you're trying to improve yourself, when you're trying to continue to be a professional athlete – you, you got to do it, especially especially a guy 5'8", right? I mean, let's face it. It's not a sport of, of small dudes. And so uh, for him to be able to do that, it goes to show you, I think, the character of a guy like this. Remember when Derek Carr talked about guys not being on the strip and having late dinners one, at one point when the Rays were struggling last year? Mm-hmm. Meek Robinson isn't one of those guys on the strip having <laughs> a late dinner. He's at home with his girl, either studying film, working on his craft. Because like I said, I brought up to him. I see a lot of videos of him working on his footwork. Uh, his change of direction. So you could tell he's really dialed in. He's really focused in on his career. And you hope to see as he, as he picked off that pass against Arizona that it continues to translate to ball production for him because he he coming out, he was known as a see ball, get ball type of guy. The ball's right. around a meek. He's going to snatch it and take it the other way. And I think when he got that intercession in Arizona, as he said, it was an emotional moment for him. It's kind of like, okay, it's coming back, starting to click. I, this is what I do. This is what I'm known for. And then people are going to get to see it on the, on the NFL pro level. And hopefully we see more of it starting with Denver on Sunday. Yeah, there's nothing better than seeing a young guy. I don't care what they do for a living, but when they get confidence and they have a breakthrough moment, man, yep. they become invincible. And so so we, we certainly wish him the best. Thanks to the Raiders PR staff for getting him for us for this show. We hope you enjoyed that interview. Mo and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll shift We'll talk about the game against the Broncos on Sunday. What do the Raiders have to do to win that one? What challenges will they have? And the rest. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. He is Mo Moten. I'm Scott Branson. We'll be back right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Thursday edition. Hope you're doing well, Raider Nation. Another special thank you to Amik Robertson, Raiders cornerback, for joining us in the last segment. Mo, a great conversation. You know, we try to get players on as much as we can. It's tough during the season when you're not in the building. You can you know, stick a microphone in somebody in the locker room. Uh, but we appreciate the Raiders PR staff for for wrangling Amik for us. A guy you and I have kind of talked about, thought he was going to go away there towards preseason when he didn't seem to be playing that well. And as he said, something just clicked. Uh, and it's nice to see that. And it's nice to be able to talk to a player. And a guy who really laid it out for us of how he's gotten better and what he works on in his craft to be the best player he can be. 
Yeah, and I liked how he went into his uh, difficulty at first with run fits. And he talked about the, di- the difference between lining up on the outside and the inside. Because it is a transition. A lot of people think, oh, it's just, you know, it's the same thing. It's just a quarterback position. No, there are different responsibilities. And he said the main thing is a lot of space. You're going to have to play to run. Uh, there are there are routes that certain bigger receivers may run. Smaller, faster receivers may run. You have to be prepared for all of that. So I think there's a lot more to going in going into uh, a slot cornerback's mind when they step on the field because there are so many things that they have to watch out for. Whereas you're on the boundary, you're on the boundary guard in the boundary or or the field version or the field version of the position. So you don't have to worry about, hey, I got to play to run. I got to not, you know, fall for the eye candy, you know, the, the, <laughs> the fakes and all of that stuff. When you're in the slot, a lot of that stuff comes into play and, and he's picking it up. He said he just learned from, he learned a lot from Nate, Nate Hobbs, which is a good thing. That's actually my nickname, Eye Candy. Did you know that? Gosh. No. <laughs> Mo didn't even laugh very hard at that one because he's like, what? What's going what? on here? Oh, my God. Like candy corn. Eye Candy corn. Oh, God. I cannot stand candy corn. You know, I now, what? now what? Now what? <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, Mo, if you lose this next fantasy football game, which is possibly to happen because my team sucks right now, you got to have right some now. candy corn on Halloween. I'm like, oh, yeah. gosh, here we go. We well, here's the deal, though. Uh, my wife bought my kids candy corn, and you would have been proud because I told her, I said, absolutely not. I don't want to buy candy corn. She's like, well, the kids, I, go, I don't care. The kids don't know what's good for them. They're kids. Don't get them candy corn. Get them something else. So she buys the candy corn. I'm like, oh. I go, you know what? I gotta t- I'm got going to tell Mo you bought candy corn. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, you don't, Mo, candy corn. So I started telling her all the food stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I've listened to the show a couple of times, the cheesecake. I knew about the cheesecake and the pizza and all that kind of stuff, which my wife tried early in our marriage to get pineapple pizza, would not allow it. I said, hey, divorce, there's the door. Plain and simple. Down, Scott. You got, yeah, dude, right. there's some things in life you cannot bend on, okay? Mm-hmm. Marriage is about give and take, no question. But when it comes to pizza and pineapples, no, sir. All right, back to football. Sorry for the, the food digression there. Um, <laughs> but, Mo, you talked about, I mean, he's going to have this bigger role uh, with Nate Hobbs out, obviously, against the Broncos on Sunday. Let's talk about the Broncos. What is this Raider defense? Let's start on that side of the ball. Russell Wilson has been a flop so far in Denver. I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I like Russell Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. I still think he's got plenty left in the tank. But they're having trouble, which – Raider fans know all about Raider fans are having the Raider offense is having issues too. So is the Broncos. Uh, what are you seeing from them? What kind of challenge are they going to present that Raiders defense? It's funny because I think Russell Wilson is most dangerous when he's on the move. Mm-hmm. So you know how fans want Derek Carr to be more mobile because he has the athleticism, he has the athleticism to do it. That's when Russell Wilson is his most dangerous. I think when he tries to be a pocket passing quarterback, it takes away from why he's special and why he was able to get to a Super Bowl and and went and go to a bunch of, you know, have a bunch of Pro Bowl nominations and whatnot. But when he's on the move, mm-hmm. the Raiders are gonna have issues. And we saw it with Kyler Murray. Now he's not on the Kyler Murray level right now in this point in his career, but when he first right. got into the league, he was scrambling around like you couldn't he, and Russell Wilson is under six feet. So it's hard to find him behind a big offensive line. <laughs> but when he starts moving, when he's when he's mobile and he's improvising, I think that's when he's most dangerous. So if we see a Russell Wilson who's mobile and in and out of the pocket, could be trouble for the Raiders if they can't corral him or have a spy on him. So so then so then we think about, you know, the next closest example. And even though he's not at the level of Kyler Murray because the legs are older, let's face it. 
Um, yeah. When you look at how the Raiders played the Cardinals, that second half, Kyler Murray started moving around. The Raiders, if they get the pressure and they flush Russell Wilson out of the pocket, is that necessarily a good thing? Or is this one of the situations where you want to bracket him a little bit, keep him in the pocket, and make him throw the ball? I think you want to keep him in the pocket because I think once you force him to move, it could be trouble because, as we saw with Kyler Murray, the Raiders just weren't – I don't want to say they weren't prepared for it, but they didn't have the bodies to to mm. counter that. So that could be to the Raiders' detriment once he starts moving. I think you want to keep him in the pocket – but you also want to get some pressure on him. You don't want him to sit back in the pocket and have Oreos and cookies and milk and pick <laughs> apart your secondary. You you want to put some pressure on him. And that's that's been our angst about the Raiders' defense is that they're not getting enough pressure. And I know sacks aren't everything, but I believe Max Crosby is the only defender with a sack on the roster right now. So that has to get a lot better. Chandler Jones, I, I, I know I said this last week. I said this previous show. He's got to show up. Eventually, he's got to show up if the Raiders' defense is going to be better. Yeah. Okay, so now if we switch sides of the ball, Mo, and we think about the the Raiders' offense uh, against this Denver defense, which is still pretty good, uh, what do the Raiders have to do? We've heard all the talk about Derek Carr. We talked about that in the first segment and what he's got to do. I have every confidence, uh, even though I've said I'm not sure Derek Carr's future is in Las Vegas after this year, depending what happens. I still think, though, that Derek Carr is going to have a good season, that he it will start to click like it did for Meek Robertson on defense. I think it'll start to click for Derek Carr. Um, do we see overcompensation, though, from him this week now because of this criticism uh, with not going to Devontae Adams? Is, is Josh McDaniels, despite what he said in the press conference, going to push plays towards the receiver more? Or what happens here with this offense? What will tell you in the first series you see them come out what are you looking for to see how this game's going to go for Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels in the offense? I want to see how quickly, how early, how often they get Devontae involved. Now, if they if the first two series Devontae has like eight targets, you know what type of day it's going to be. Devontae's going to have about 20 targets. He's going to have about 100-something <laughs> yards and a touchdown or two, which may be a good thing because – to me, it's not about the target volume because a lot of people are arguing about, oh, you at the, at, after week one, you said he was going to Devontae too much, and then when he spreads the ball around, you still complain. It's not about the volume. It's when he goes to him. So the, when the Rays are in the, in the red zone, they're struggling to put the ball in the end zone, that's when you go to Devontae Adams. I believe he's had double-digit touchdowns his last two years. That's what you brought him in for. Not to just rack up a bunch of yards, but because you, so you could finish drives, because that's what he did in Green Bay. So when the Raiders are in the Renzo, inside the 20-yard line of their opponent, go to Devontae Adams, run the football, mix it up, you'll get good results. There you go. See? So, uh, Mo, you, you mentioned um, in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about, uh, number one, your prediction Raiders Broncos. This is again a must-win game for the Raiders with the Chiefs looming the following week in a big game in Kansas City. Um, how do you see this one netting out for Las Vegas? Do they win the game? Do they get the offense back on track, or is it going to be a slog fest? This is going to sound like a, I mean I don't want to cop out because there there is some uncertainty there with if you if you're down two cornerbacks. I wouldn't feel good about the Raiders' chances. Now, I think Amik is going to step up to the challenge, but what about the other side of the field? Remember, Anthony Averitt's on IR. If you're down two starting quarterbacks, it's going to be tough stopping Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Now, if they if they have at least one of those guys, Nate Hobbs or Rocky Hassan back and Amik Robinson, I have the betting column that came out on Bleacher Report. I have the Raiders winning the game by two, 
but I have the Broncos covering simply because of this. The Broncos, as you, as you said, their defense is pretty good. So I could see this game coming down to one or two point margin. Now the Raiders are favored by two and a half. And again, I think the Raiders can win, but if they do win, it's going to be by one or two points because Denver is not going to let them score, not going to allow them to score a lot of points. And as you said, the Denver Broncos offense has been struggling. Uh, they scored 11 points against the 49ers last Sunday. The Raiders offense hasn't been able to put together a complete game. They play a good quarter here, a good half there. So I could see it being a 24-22 game like the Titans game, but maybe even lower. It could be 23-21. I believe that's what I had on the column. Uh, my colleagues more said 23-20, but I said 23-21 simply because the Broncos' defense is going to shrink the game. It's going to make it very tough for the Raiders' offense. Yeah, it's it, and I, I think it's going to be very tough for the offense, too. I think they might play better, but I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I really do. I can see this. The winning team, low 20s, uh, 20, 21 yep. points, uh, and the other side, 14, 17 points, something like that. I'm going to pick the Raiders because I just – I want some positivity on the podcast. Um, and and I just, no, no, I, I really That's think this game at this game at home with everything everyone's heard. And I know they all say they don't listen, but they do. And I think um, I don't know if you heard Michael Lombardi talking about the Raiders uh, on his GM Shuffle podcast this week, but he talked about it. He said, "Look, they're just not executing." He said, "It's not necessarily that they're not calling the right plays." And he mentioned his son is the the offensive coordinator, even though he's not calling the plays. Uh, and he said, I would tell him this, they're just not executing. When you have Darren Waller dropping two huge passes, which both probably should have been touchdowns, one was yep. for sure, the other probably was as well, um, you, you can't avoid looking at that. So you have, you have pieces in place to win ball games. You have the talent you need. The talent just hasn't executed, and that's everybody, and they own it all. And so, so I think they, they got to do that it, it, because you're at that inflection point to me, three, four games in, where it's like, okay, so you got your three games in, almost like a preseason for the, for the starting uh, offensive unit. Now you got to put it together, and I think they do, Mo. So here's the thing. The Denver Broncos offense has been clunky, right? The Raiders have we've seen flashes, but we've seen more. We've seen more from the Raiders' offense than we've seen from the Broncos' offense. That's true. Very to, true. To be honest with you, so to me, like I said, I think it's a one or two point game because of the Broncos' defense is going to keep the minute. But the Raiders are going to have to finally put together a complete game to win this one because if the Broncos hang around, Russell Wilson could get you some points at least in field goal range, and maybe this time they send Russell Wilson out there instead of their kicker to finish the drive, <laughs> but Nathaniel Hackett has realized his mistake. So as time goes on, the Broncos are progressing. They're figuring it out between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, but the Raiders having their flashes, they have to put it all together because if they wait until the second game to get the Broncos, get to get the Broncos, the Broncos are going to be a much better team once they play again in that second game in Denver. So the Raiders are going to get to the Broncos and split the series. At least they got to <laughs> win it on Sunday. They have all to. Right. All right, Mo. So, so in in the few minutes we got left, we have to talk about fantasy football. <laughs> so there is oh, there man. is the the silver and black today fantasy football league, and I'm having a technical issue today for those of you watching, so I can't get the screen up. Which is I'm sure Mo probably has. Some, he's hacking me from New York, um, so course. I don't show it. But but there's only one zero and three team in the NFL. There's only one zero and three team in silver and black today's league, yep. and that of course is Mo. But Mo and I, I know you were have you were having this you were having this conversation is you're like fourth or fifth in in points. 
So, so you've been a victim, and you called it the first week you played me, and and I beat you, uh, which was you. It's matchups, right? It was mat- matchups, and in fantasy football, when you're playing in a matchup league, you can have a great week, and then somebody has a week out of their mind, a game you would usually win uh, five out of six times, you lose. So, I'm, as much as I like making fun of you being zero three, <laughs> I think it was Slow Jam James who brought that up, or Kelly maybe. Uh, no, Kelly, Kelly would just be rubbing it in on you. Um, but, but Kelly brought it up. Oh, he did bring it up. Okay, so mm-hmm. so you look at that, and so you're not you're you're in last place at zero and three right now, but you're mm-hmm. scoring points. So eventually, it's going to even out. Yeah, eventually, it's gonna, the, and I made a joke of this on Twitter is that my season is very parallel to the Raiders season, right? <laughs> I'm zero and three. You poor the bastard. Raiders are zero and three, and they're the Raiders. By the way, are tenth in scoring. They're tenth in scoring with an zero and three record. How does that happen? That's crazy. Right. So and, crazy. in the Silver and Black League, I'm I'm the fifth highest scoring team in the league, which means I'm outscoring more than half the league. True. But I'm 0 3. So yes. just like you in week one, where you outscored everyone, Kelly beat me last week and he outscored every I believe he had the highest score out of everyone. He did. And he's got he's got 20 more points for than I do. And you only have nine points less than I do, and I'm three and zero. So if you it, it goes back to that point. It's just matchups. Right. I've I've gotten lucky, and and our good friend Just Win Wendy, who I love, she's a wonderful person. I think she yes. had like sixty points last week, and I played her. I had a hundred something, or ninety nine, something it, like that. It killed me to see it because Just Win Wendy played me. When Just Win Wendy played me in week two, right? She had a hundred and thirteen, hundred seventeen <laughs> points. She was like one of the top three scoring teams. <laughs> then she gets to you, and she scores sixty four points. Wendy, Wendy, what's going on? You she's just, my gal. Thank you, Wendy. You, you just. You gave me the biggest punch. You get the sky and you just kind of roll over. Like, Wendy, come on now. We, we, we're supposed to be in this together. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. But uh, just so you know, multiple scoregasms, which is a really funny name, mm-hmm. by the way. I got to look. Yeah. I forgot who that was. I got to look it up. Uh, why am I forgetting whose team that is? Anyway, so multiple scoregasms, first place, 3-0, three, uh, three oh, along with me at 3-0, and oh, um, because they have the points lead there as well. Uh, then you have Kelly, right, at 2-1. and one. So Kelly, uh, who started off, I think, uh, with, with the win uh, or with a loss. The Idaho Infidels, followed by North County Raider, Barrier Raider, Slow Jam James, who we all picked to win the league, is at 1-2. and two, uh, And he's had some trouble with some points, actually, for him. Raiders of the Lost Yard, which is David Stepanian, our producer. Carmageddon, Max Power, Just Winning, which is Wendy. Wendy, and of course, Mostradamus. So I will have the image for you guys on YouTube next time. I'm having an issue here on my end, so we'll figure it out. But it's Thursday, and I don't want to deal with it. So we're just going to forge on. But good times, good fun. So when you guys see us tweet about uh, this fantasy football stuff, you know what we're talking about. And we'll do, at some point, we're going to do a separate show. We'll drop a show midweek or something along with the mailbag where we just talk a bunch. Of, we'll get we'll get the party line going here. We'll get a bunch of people from the league on and we'll just chat about it. But we're just starting out. It's only three weeks in, so we want to give it some time. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to get the people, men and women, who are in our yes. league on the show just to kind of talk smack because it's all it's all fun and games. Just, it is. just remember that I'm 0-3 right now, but if I come back and I make the playoffs, <laughs> each and every one of you in this league will never hear the end of it. That's true. After you I, try to bury me, you will I, never I, hear the end of it if I come back. I don't see you not making the playoffs. I really do. I mean, at, at worst, I think you get you get up. I think, well, no, playoffs, we have to get up. Is it top four? Four. Top so you got to get top four. That's that's not. I mean, two difference. It's early. Now, if you go 0-6, oh, 
maybe. But but I'm telling you, you know, at two and one versus zero and three. I mean, at three and zero, zero and three. It's not that big of a deal early on, especially with matchups. And I got we haven't even hit buys yet. Buys kill people. Trust me. I'm one game out of sixth place, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> one game out of sixth place. Uh, we're one <laughs> game out of sixth place. Yes. Just like the Raiders are number one for the waiver claims. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. A I think you know what's going to happen when the Raiders win, then I'll finally win it. This is there's some kind of parallel universe between my fantasy football team and the Raiders season. That would be freaky. That would be freaky. But anyway, well, that's going to that's going to close out our show for this Thursday and for this week. Mo, um, it'll be interesting on Sunday. We'll see either Raider Nation. We really would like to see a win because we want to get positive questions uh, for the mailbag next week. We want to get some excitement. And more than that, Mo, I want Raider Nation to feel good. I just, you know, we want them to be happy and have a better week next week as they head into October and, and feel good about their team. Yeah, it's not fun having people talk about the draft and it's not even October yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's just not I've been what you of want. It a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about the draft and just basically throwing in the towel on the season already. If the Raiders drop to 0-4, and then you got the Kansas City Chiefs in our head, I, I could see how the fans would be like, "Well, th- this is you know the season's a lost season." I- you just don't want to see that this early. Like I said, early late September, early October. No, no question about that one. All right, my friend. Well, uh, thank you again. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter. You can see his handle down there at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, Mo Moten. Read his stuff. Believe me, you will be smarter and know more about football if you read his stuff on Bleacher Report. He's also the Raiders columnist over on SportsNot.com, so make sure you follow him there as well. You can check out my weekly Stocks Up, Stocks Down, more down than up. Uh, Raiders column as well on sportsnot.com. Also follow me at LV Gully, the show SNB today on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the show there, the podcast uh, by clicking the link uh, as well. So make sure you do that. Also mailbag show. We continue to get questions. I got five more questions today. So if you want to mail us questions for the mailbag show next week, which Mo and I love to do, it is mail at silver and So we got all the plugs in. It's now time to roll. My friend, I will see you next week. Hopefully after Raiders win. Yes, sir. All right. For everybody here, for our producer, David Stepanian, for everybody at Odyssey, for Mo and Scott, thank you so much for being with us. We'll talk to you Sunday. Yes, Sunday on the postgame show here, uh, wherever you get the podcast or watch us. We will be ready to go with that. Myself and Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I hope we can talk to you next time after a Raiders win. Take care.